Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. When I was in uh, my freshman, between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I went to uh, a company called Southwestern Book Company and I sold books door to door for one whole summer. And uh, they take college students from all over the, the country. They're still operating, of what I understand. They take college students, bring them in from all over the country, train them for a week, and then send them out to go door-to-door sales. They had a mantra that we, they had us repeat every day when we were in our training. They told us to do it every day when we got up. And they said, we had to stand up and say, I feel healthy, I feel happy, I feel terrific. And I thought it was a little hokey. And, you know, it's like, who says terrific? I feel terrific. I mean, and, and yet they knew something I did not know. I, they knew that going out and selling books door to door is a tough job. And you're going to face rejection and doors slammed in your face and people cussing at you. And it's, you know, it's going to be a tougher summer. And they knew the difference between leaving or having a great summer had everything to do with our confidence level. And so that mantra of, I feel happy, I feel healthy, I feel terrific, they're trying to get us into a place where we had a level, a higher level of confidence. Confidence is a belief or a trust in something or someone. And we've been talking about confidence for the last few weeks. And uh, we talked about confidence when you don't understand. And last week we talked about confidence when you, uh, you need to get your confidence back. And this morning I want to talk about your confidence can grow. Confidence is an interesting thing because it, it tints our perspective, how we see things. Things start coming at us and, and we see, uh, see them as either positive or negative depending on our confidence level. When confidence is high, problems seem a lot smaller. Confidence also expands our ability to act and to manage and to navigate through some of the difficulties in life. So confidence is something that we know is important. You know, you can have confidence in yourself and your confidence can grow. You know, maybe you've, you've done something over a period of time and you just, you have a lot of confidence that you can do something. I have no confidence in my ability to fix stuff. I'm just, I'm just not good at it. I don't have confidence there. Well, you may be just, just marvelous at it, but that usually is a function of experience and what you've gone through and you develop a confidence and your confidence can start here and it can grow, it can develop. There was a teacher in the 90s that uh, uh, had, he hurt his upper back and he had to wear a cast, one of those plaster, I remember plaster cast, those plaster casts, he wore it under his shirt, it covered his upper body, you could hide it with the shirt, in fact, you couldn't even see he had a cast on. And uh, he, he was, the first day of school, he had to wear the cast in and, they, and they no, he noticed that they assigned him to some of the toughest students in this high school. And so he walks confidently into his class, the class is unruly. He walks in, he opens the windows up as wide as they would go, and uh, he sits down at his desk. The class is unruly. He admonished them to be quiet. They wouldn't be quiet. He said, and he kept trying to work with the class, and the, and the wind was blowing, and it kept blowing his tie around, and it, it was making him angry, you know, and, and, and he kept telling the class to be quiet, and they just kept getting more and more unruly. Finally, he just gets tired, and he stands up, and he grabs a big old stapler that was on his desk, and he takes that stapler, and he staples the tie to his chest in about six different places. And discipline was never a problem after that. <laughs> confidence. You can do things that create confidence. 
confidence in other people can grow. When Joy and I first got married, she came from a family where her experience and some of her family's experience had created a, a scenario where she did not trust men. And it, it, it was a while before she really even trusted me in our marriage, even though I gave her no reason not to. And so it was something that we can look back on it now. Well, that's a big part of our marriage now. But the confidence that we had, it grew. And that's what I, I want you to understand. Confidence, your confidence can grow. We know it can grow naturally. We also know that our confidence in God can grow. Paul was writing to the, the church at Thessalonica, and this is what he said, Second Thess uh, Thessalonians. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love of all you have for one another is increasing. Your faith is growing more and more. I, I said, well, faith and confidence is, are, the, are basically the same thing. You can't say I have faith in God, but I have no confidence in him. You can't say I have confidence in God, but I have no faith in him. They're synonymous terms. So he could have easily written, your confidence in God is growing more and more. It is something that can grow. And here's the good news. This is not a function of IQ or a function of personality. Sometimes we look at people and we go, well, they just have it and I don't have it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm limited here. No, you're not limited, especially when it comes to spiritual things and spiritual growth. Because spiritual growth is not a function of your personality or how well you did in school or what your background is. It's a function of the effort and, des and desire that you have to grow. You're the one that, that, that makes the decision there. You're the one that makes that call. So the good news is you can grow as much as you want to. There's a, a, a fish that's big among hobbyists. It's called the Japanese carp. You might know it as a koi fish. With a koi fish, if you keep a little koi fish in a fish bowl, it will grow to two to three inches. You take that same koi fish and you put it in a, a small pond or a larger tank, it'll grow between six and ten inches. You put it in a larger pond, it will grow up to a foot and a half. You put that koi fish in a large lake, those things can grow up to three feet. Same fish, but the environment is what is the difference. Here's the beautiful thing. You pick the pond you pick your own. When it comes to spiritual growth, you're the one that determines whether you want to grow or not. You're the one that determines whether you want to have fishbowl faith or you can have huge lake faith. That's up to you. That's not up to God. And that's the good news. A lot of times people think, well, it's just up to God. And those people have it and I don't. No, no, no. All of us can grow wherever we are. We can grow more in our confidence with God. I'm going to give you a classic example of that. And a guy in the, in the New Testament, maybe you don't think of having to grow in confidence, but he did. And his name is Peter. When we first see Peter, he's a fisherman. He's fished. He's fishing by the, by the lake and, and uh, he has a bad night fishing. And Jesus comes along and Jesus is teaching the people. And Jesus asked Peter if he could sit in his boat and teach. Evidently that gave him a better vantage point. And so Peter holds the boat while Jesus teaches and then Jesus gave him some instructions after it was over. Let's read here in Luke. When he, Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. You see, Peter, Peter had a low confidence level initially with the Lord. He didn't know the Lord that well. Jesus shows up and Jesus asks him to do something that really is relatively low risk. They're already in the boat. All they had to do was just point the boat out, go out and throw the nets. Worst case scenario, he doesn't catch anything. 
And so it was a low risk thing. And yet when Jesus asked Peter to do it, Peter, you can, you can tell he's hesitant. He's like, he's like, well, you know, master, you're a preacher. Good. You're a good preacher, but you don't know nothing about fishing. I mean, you can hear the bottom line of that. We, Lord, we, we, we have fished all night and caught nothing, but because you say so, and uh, you, you can hear the hesitancy in it. And so to his credit, even though his confidence level in Jesus was low, he launches out into the deep. He lets down his nets and they catch so many fish that he has to call his partners in another boat and they bring the other boat there and the other boat starts to sink. And, and so to Peter's credit, he launched out. To Jesus' credit, he sunk, almost sunk two fishing boats with fish. Aren't you glad we got a boat sinking God when he asks us to do something? He doesn't give us just a little bit. He just, man, I, and, so, and so Peter, low confidence, but thank God he did something and he left and man, he got some great results. But let's fast forward a few years. Now Peter's in a different situation. Jesus, he's been following Jesus for a while and uh, Jesus was preaching and he sent his disciples across the lake and he's going to come down and meet them. And this is a whole nother situation. So let's read what happens. And the boat, this is the boat the disciples in, was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried. They said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You a little faith, he said, why'd you doubt? You know, I, I, you, this is, man, this is a whole nother situation. So Jesus, Peter's been walking with Jesus for a while and he said, Lord, if that's you, he had already developed some confidence in Jesus' power and his words. He's seen miracles. He's, he's been around the Lord. So he's been in the environment where he has seen the Lord begin to do some things. His confidence in the Lord has started to grow. And this is a big thing. There's a whole big deal between launch out and step out. Launch out was low risk. Step out of the boat in the storm, that's high risk. And yet, Peter said to the Lord, Lord, all I need, all I need you to do is just you give me the word and I am out of this boat. And Jesus said, come and Peter, Peter steps out. Well, you can see where that's a higher level of confidence because that's a higher risk scenario. You step out of the boat. What's your worst case scenario there? Your worst case scenario is you step out and go to the bottom. But this time he walked and he began to walk on the lake going to Jesus. But I think it's interesting to know that his confidence could take a hit. And that's always a good thing for us to keep in mind. Sometimes our confidence can be at different levels, but we have to watch for the things that cause our confidence to drain. And that's what happened to Peter. He's walking and all of a sudden Peter starts noticing that the wind's blowing real hard and the waves are, are, are just, they're, they're coming in and there's a lot of noise. And for some reason, he stopped looking at Jesus. He started looking at everything all around him and what he was focusing on caused fear. And it began to drain his confidence. You say, well, what do you mean drain his confidence? Because the Bible said, and beginning to sink. How many of you know if you're on water, you do not begin to sink, you sink. You go, so he's starting to go down. 
And he immediately cries out, Lord, help me. And I'm so glad for what we read next. Because it said immediately Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him out. Aren't you glad it didn't say? And Jesus let him go down and come back up and go down and come back up and go down and then come back up. And then sputtering, he said, see, that'll teach you to doubt. I'm just glad he reached out and got him and picked him up. He's a merciful Jesus. And he looked at him and said, you really shouldn't have doubted, Peter. And then they walked back to the boat. Confidence can grow. Low confidence to higher confidence. And then your confidence can take a hit. You say, well, what about me? What about my confidence level? How can, how can my confidence grow? How can your confidence grow? That's a great question. Because it, is it just I'm waiting for God to do something? Or is there something that I can do? And there actually is. You can choose to be involved in a spiritual growth environment. You see, Peter, Peter stayed with Jesus. Some of his disciples, man, they, they left. We, we all think, not, not the 12, but there were other disciples who followed Jesus. And sometimes Jesus would say or do something, and these disciples would come and go. Peter stayed there. And so staying in that growth environment helped him. We're, God wants us to stay in an environment that helps us with spiritual growth. Now, he was talking, and Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and he began to talk about different ministry gifts inside the church. And he lists apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he said, these are for the building up. They're, they're to help us. That these are ministry gifts. They're to help us. And the reason they're to help us, and there's a, there's a purpose behind it, is that, we, is that we grow. We don't stay small. Look what it says here. Paul continues. He says, then we will no longer be infants, babies, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. You notice it said, no longer infants, that we will grow. God's plan is that you grow. God's plan is that you grow in your confidence, that you grow in your love, that you grow as a believer. That's his plan. And so he's, he's given us some help and some environments that we can choose that are part of that. Now, part of that spiritual environment of growth is you need to be around other believers and you need church, a good Bible-believing church. If the church believes the Bible and they preach the Bible, then that's an environment that you can grow in. And we need one another. We need to be around another. You know, sometimes, isn't it good just to come to church on Sunday or Wednesday, whenever you come, and to look around and go, okay, there are other people that believe in God. I've, just, I've been surrounded by crazy people all week. It is good to know that there are some other people that believe in God, and that encourages me. And so it's, it's like, you, see, you look and see other people, you go, hey, they don't look crazy. That's good. This is good. But they're and, and it, it encourages, but we can encourage one another. Speaking the truth in love, we help one another grow. So that's a spiritual environment. Choose to be involved in a spiritual growth environment. Here's the, the next one. You need a private devotional time as well. So we need time with church and other believers, but we also need a private, quiet time. You say, well, can I pick one? No, no. This is like a bicycle. You need both tires with air in them. You need public, you need private. And private quiet time is, I think, is even more challenging now than church. Private quiet time has been, it's become more and more of a challenge, guys. In fact, there's a book that came out last year, it's called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. 
And it, it, Nicholas Carr wrote it. And, and he's basically taught, they're doing studies now. And, and what they're finding out is they said it's because of the plasticity of our neural pathways. How's that for vocabulary words? Our neural pathways. He says our brains are literally being rewired because of our internet. The digital distraction is causing us to rewire. So in other words, the more time we spend on the web, and listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against the web, but what it's doing is they're finding is the more time we spend on the web, the more time we spend bouncing from here to there, we're able to process information efficiently and quickly, but there's no sustained attention. There's no focused attention. And so this is why they're saying people are having a hard time concentrating even when they're away from their devices. So they said that the internet, one of the challenges of the internet, more time on the web, and they said it's not actually causing us to become smarter, it's actually causing our critical thinking and our, our brains to become weaker in a time in history where we need to be sharp, where, where we need truth. You say, well, well, what's the answer to that? I said, well, here, here's, here's the thing. When you have your private time with the Lord, you need quiet time with the Lord. I, I'm a big believer in, in a Bible that you can, like it opens and, and, it, and it has pages and stuff that you can turn. Because here's the deal. I've, I've, used, I've used them for years. And here's the beautiful thing about a Bible that you open and read. I get no notifications at all when I'm reading that. In fact, the only notifications I get are from the Holy Spirit and they're good notifications. They are, they are helpful. But if you could begin to do that, uh, Denzel Washington was talking to a journalist and he was telling her, he said, you really, he said, you really need, he was encouraging her to get a Bible app. And hey, if you read on a Bible app, that's great. I'm just telling you, if your Bible, if your phone's like mine, you're going to get a, a bunch of stuff in the middle of it. He said, but get a Bible. He said, cause you need to fill the bucket every day. He said, you got to fill the bucket every day. He said, it's tough out there. So you fill the bucket in the morning, your quiet time, your time with the Lord, your reading time, your prayer time, you're talking to him, you're filling your bucket. He said, you go out there and, life, and here they come. He said, and life starts chipping away at you and chipping away at you. How many of you know you can leave the house in the morning sometimes feeling on top of the world and drag yourself back in and, and, and later on and you're like, whoa, what a day. He said, you got to fill the bucket again and fill the bucket again and fill the bucket again. And so what we, we find is, Take some time, some quiet time, and begin to do that. So you have public time, quiet time, but it's a, it's a spiritual growth environment. You choose your pond. I want a big pond. I want to be able to grow. Here's the next one. You need to choose to believe God's word. Choose to believe God's word. He said, well, Alan, if I was like Peter, if I was surrounded, if I had Jesus around me all the time, man, it'd be no problem. Uh, no, no. There are people who are with Jesus who left him. They chose not to believe his word. They chose to believe. Now they said, we can't handle this. And they left. Peter stayed. Choose to believe God's word. Here's the thing. Choose to believe God's word is powerful. It's, it's true. And it's life-changing. True. Powerful. Life-changing. This is not a duty, guys. This is, this is something that absolutely can do something for us and in us. When Jesus was praying before he went to the cross, he was talking to the Father, and he said in John 17, he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify, we don't use it much anymore, but it means this. It means separate them. Set them apart by your truth. I thought, boy, if there's ever a time that we need to be separate from a world that's dark and negative, it's what God's word will do for you. 
Now, I'm not saying that we just, we don't have any friends who, who don't know the Lord. And, we, and that's not the kind of separation I'm talking about. But I'm talking about when you begin to have a quiet time, when you begin to spend time with the Lord, when you begin to, to take his words and begin to put his words in your heart and in your life, they will separate you from some things that, that, and set you apart from the way things used to be. And you can go from having a negative attitude to a positive attitude. You can go from having a struggle to being strong. You can go from being in despair to having hope. You can go from being selfish to having a giving spirit and a giving heart. You can go from having a sense of anxiety about you all the time to having a sense of peace about you and from fear to faith because you are connected to a greater God and you know that. And that will make a difference in your life. That will help you. So you begin to, to take God's word in and then you begin to practice it. You begin to practice it. Well, that can make it all the difference in the world. You begin to practice what you're learning and what you're going through. Now, I, I, I like the word practice. Practice means we don't know everything. Practice means I, I, I can get good at it. No, very few, I, I have not met anyone who picked up a golf club the very first time, had a perfect swing and shot in the 60s. If they tell you they did, they're lying. You need to bring them here so they can get saved because they are not telling you the truth unless they're telling you they shot in the 60s on the front nine. But it's, um, no, one, no one's perfect. At, at the, so what do you do? As a golfer, you practice that, right? You practice. You get better if you practice. Listen, you practice. I had to practice kissing. You remember your first kiss? It was kind of like, You didn't know what to do, but I didn't stop because <laughs> I knew I could get better at it. <laughs> and so most, most, most people don't walk away and go, oh, I'm never going to kiss again. I don't think it's any good. No, we're like, I will learn this. I will get better at this. I will practice this. If we'll do it with kissing, if we'll do it with golf, can we do it with God's word and begin to take God's word to begin to practice it in our lives? It will set you apart it will make a difference. And the last thing is this, and this is, this is really key. And I'm going to say something that's going to be real preachery, but you won't forget it. Intentional thinking will stop you from sinking. I'm going to say that one more time. Intentional thinking can stop you from sinking. You remember Peter, when he's out there, he's walking on the lake, he's going to Jesus, and he starts looking around. He, his focus begins to change. He's like, man, the wind's blowing. Whoa, the waves are coming. How many of you know that really, if you're walking on the water, wind and waves ain't got nothing to do with it at all. It's just, that has no, but it, it caused fear to come where, where he chose to put his focus. Now here's the key. Where you choose to put your focus is important. Where you choose to, to focus your thoughts, can, your thoughts can lift you or they can lower you. Your thoughts make a difference. And when Paul wrote, because sometimes people say, well, Alan, I can't, I can't help the way I think. I don't believe that's true. I believe we have the ability to think on what we want to think on. Didn't say it's easy, but we can choose to think on some things. And this is what he wrote the church at Philippi. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whenever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice. There's that word practice again. Put it into practice, 
and the God of peace will be with you. Do you see where he's going with this? He's saying what we think on and what we choose to think on, it's going to depend on whether our thoughts can lift us or cause us to sink. Oftentimes when I've hit lower times in my life and I realize, man, I am sinking, I, I realize it's because of my thoughts and I had to begin to change them. And, and Paul is saying, hey, you think on things that are true and things that are pure and lovely and think, and, and let me tell you something. You say, well, where would I find those thoughts? God's word is full of those thoughts. God's word begins to tell you who you are. God's word begins to tell you who God is. It's good stuff. I mean, it's called the gospel. Gospel means good news. This is good news. And we can choose to think on what we want to. And so our thinking has a great deal to do with the peace in our life. How much peace we experience, how much peace we go through is often a, is a function of what your thinking is. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you know that somebody that you know fairly well can walk in a room and you could look at them in just a second and go, what's wrong? What's wrong? And they go, nothing. And you go, no, no, no. Tell me what's wrong. Why? Because oftentimes what we're thinking on shows up in our face. It shows up in the rest of us. If we can think negative thoughts and go that way, how many of you know we can think thoughts that are pure and lovely and good and noble and true and excellent and worthy of praise? And those thoughts can lift us. When you're thinking good thoughts, no one has to ask you what's wrong because you can tell it. God's word helps you. And our thoughts can lift us or lower us. We have to practice. There's a lady in the, that uh, Mark Batterson told the story, or Buchanan told the story, of, of a lady named Muriel. Muriel had been crippled in childhood, mentally and emotionally, she, well, emotionally especially, just crippled emotionally. By the time she was 14 years old, she was already visiting psychiatric wards of, of local hospitals. In her late 40s, she had been through dozens of counselors, of therapists, of psychiatrists. They had her on a cocktail of anti this and anti that. He said it was enough to subdue a blue whale. Muriel was a, a, a function of what well, she'd had 61 different shock therapy treatments and none of it was working. Nothing was getting better. Muriel had had things done to her when she was a child. Godless things, malicious things, cruel things. And it absolutely had crippled her. So when she walked in one day to a new therapist, she had no expectations. In fact, her expectations were low. She was cynical. She'd been through so much. She sat and told the therapist her story and the therapist asked a simple question. The therapist looked at her and said, Muriel, what would have happened if someone had come alongside you when you were 14 years old and pointed out your strengths instead of telling you how sick you were? Muriel said, I never considered that. She said, I did, that thought had never crossed my mind. She said that I could, I could live otherwise. And she said, I chose. She said, right then, I decided that I was going to live otherwise. She said, right then, I changed my mind on who I was. She said, and it opened up the door for change in my life that was almost instant. Muriel, all this stuff that she'd had to go through. She said, but I'm going to think differently. I'm going to think differently about who I am. One of the beautiful things about God's word is 
He has such a beautiful picture of who you really are. Not what someone else has said. Not what your ex said. Not what your, maybe your parents or loved ones or other people cruel who've been cruel in your life. Not what they've said. What he says about you because no one loves you more. And what he says about you is beautiful. And you can begin to change your mind. And when you change your mind about who you are, man, your confidence level goes way, way up. Muriel, her life changed. So can yours. So here's my question this morning. Where's your confidence with God? Where's your confidence level? Right now, if you said, Alan, my confidence level with God is, man, I am like Peter. I'm like Peter going, Lord, you just give me the word and I'm stepping out of this boat. I, have, I got walk on the water confidence. If you do, man, thank God for that. And then, but, but you can still grow. You can still, you choose the pond, you get bigger. You can still grow. Maybe you're like Peter when you first met the Lord and you're like, hmm, hmm. You know, Alan, I'll be honest with you. I'm, uh, I'm kind of with the Lord, kind of like, Lord, <laughs> because you say so, I will. Maybe you're listening to me going, okay, Alan, I, I hear you. Because you say so, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up the scriptures. Well, good, look up the scriptures. But, but your confidence is with, it's a little hesitant, it's a little low. But it can grow. That's okay. You stay there. You keep doing the best you can. It can grow. Or maybe you're at the sinking place. You're at the place where he's like, I'm going under. And I'm just saying, Lord, help me. I got good news. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's the same merciful Jesus that he was when he helped Peter 2,000 years ago. He's the same Jesus that's not intended that you go down and drown. He will help you and lift you, and your confidence can grow. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and, and please, no one leaving your... We'll be out of here in just a couple of minutes. You're here today and you say, Alan, I, I really don't know where I stand with the Lord. I don't know where I stand in my relationship with him. Or maybe you're like I was. You say, Alan, I used to have a relationship with the Lord and I've walked so far away from him and I'd like to come back. Will he take me back? The answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely. His, his, his arms are open. He's not condemning. He wants you to have a, a life with him. He wants you to be able to grow with him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or, or come to the front. We don't do that. But if you're here today and you say, Alan, I know I need a relationship with the Lord. Or I know I need to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me that you're talking to? Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. And maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to and just thought, I, I just can't do that. Did I, miss, I, did I miss my chance? No, not really. God sees hands, but he sees hearts. And this is a heart prayer. I'm going to lead you in it. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. If you're watching online, then this will, this will be a prayer that you can pray with us. So his heads are bowed, <clears throat> excuse me, and eyes are closed. Please pray this prayer with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, with heads still bowed and eyes closed, Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. 
Father, for those who have stepped out of darkness into light and for those who've come back home, we rejoice with them. We are grateful for what you're doing and the plans that you had for them. Father, and for the rest of us, we're grateful, Lord, that we can grow, that our confidence in you can get stronger, that our confidence and hope in you can get even more developed. Thank you, Lord, for helping us grow. Thank you for showing us what we need to do. Father, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.